Well, good evening, brethren. I am excited, blessed, happy, encouraged. Couldn't possibly use enough qualifiers to explain just how uh, blessed I feel to stand in front of you all, to be able to open up the Word of God, to look into it, and to look into the, the many blessings that God has given us through His Scriptures, the spiritual revelation of these truths. I'd ask that, that you keep me honest and make sure that everything that I'm saying is, is in spirit and in truth. If there's any questions you have, I'll be happy to address them in the foyer afterwards. Again, encouraged by you. If you'd be studying along with me, you can open up to Psalm 64, where we're going to be started in just a moment this evening. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for all the brethren that are here. My beloved brethren, thank you for all the visitors here. I love you very much as well, and I'm encouraged by your presence. So before we get into the, the scripture reading from Psalm 64, before we read from there, uh, I want to ask everybody here, uh, has anybody ever played this game called Telephone? Maybe played Telephone for... Uh, Thing in school, maybe in grade school or even high school, or maybe for like in, in work for like a team building exercise. I've had to do both. Um, essentially, what it is for those that don't know, for those that need a refresher, is a message is disseminated from one person to another in a line, and it just goes down and down and down, and it's in a, in a low hush in between individuals, so that. The message is just barely audible. Now, the mission is to get the message from point A all the way from per- person A down to like person Z intact. But that's very difficult. You know, the message starts and the first person may have said something along the lines of, you know, John, he kicks it into high gear at his work every day. And by the time he gets to the last person, it's like, John kicked kittens last year. He skipped work every day. And, and that's typically how that game goes or something absurd like that. So... So that's the reality that we live in. When you put words out into the atmosphere, they can be interpreted in different ways. They can go in different directions. And it's just out there once you say it. Therefore, we need to be very wary of how we speak. No, brother? I think we do. I think we need to be very wary of how we speak, especially as Christians representing Christ. To make certain we're not spreading anything dangerous, encouraging anything dangerous. Because once our words are released, they can well, they can quickly, they can quickly mutate. And they can turn from just what, what may seem to us as just an, an innocent couple words into, into a, a horrid problem and, and, and truly a, a monstrous thing to deal with and to tangle with. David would agree with me here in the scripture that we'll be reading today from Psalm 64. Reading with me there. Starting in verse 1, David says, Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from the dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush, At the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear, they hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of lying snare. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking who can see them. They search out injustice, saying we have accomplished a diligent search. For the inward mind and heart of a man are deep, but God shoots His arrow at them. They're wounded suddenly. They're brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears, for they tell what God has brought about and ponder what He has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exult. So it's clear, being a king, David knew intimately what it's like to face rebellion and opposition. From even before his days taking the throne with Saul and his plans and his schemes to assassinate him, from even to the time of his familial rebellions with guys like Absalom, his own flesh and blood trying to usurp him and rebel against him. Countless, countless numbers of references from Scripture we can see of people trying to overthrow David. And he, it was true that God promised him that the sword wouldn't depart from him, his house, and it certainly did not depart from his house. He faced a lot of strife and a lot of opposition, but it wasn't all direct. 
especially being a king, a person like David, someone with influence, someone with power, a direct attack, well, that wasn't always the smartest option. So what did a lot of people do? Well, they, they went behind closed doors and they'd whisper and they'd, they'd use their words to try to debase him and to, to defraud him. And David knew that there would be individuals like this who would not have the courage to address him with words personally. He said that they aim bitter words like arrows and that they do that from ambush. And essentially, let's make no mistake here of what David is talking about when, when he's talking about these bitter words that are aimed like arrows. He's talking about the sin of gossip. And that's just what it is. It's a sin. Gossip is a sin as deadly as any other sin, as murder, as the different sexual sins that Brother Josh talked about this morning. Gossip is a destructive, destructive thing. The nature of gossip is subtle and it's deceptive. And it doesn't seem like a big deal at first because it's the opposite of direct. By its nature, it creeps in under the radar and it creeps into the cracks and then it spreads like a virus. And therefore, I think that it has become a problem in the church today. And I think many of you all would agree with me. Uh, it's, it's not like we necessarily have a murder problem in the Lord's church today. Like, man, this murder thing's running rampant in the Lord's church. How are we going to stop it? It's not too common. You don't hear about that all the time. But gossip, secretive. It happens behind closed doors and it's hard to trace. So it's hard to keep someone accountable for this. So we have to be ever more careful about it. There's no doubt that the Bible condemns gossip. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 13, where Paul affirms his warning to Timothy, 1 Timothy 5 verse 13, about those that would be going about from house to house and wouldn't only be idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So the Bible, the Bible vehemently condemns this idea of gossiping and pointing words like arrows. It condemns those that would fire those bitter words like arrows. One of the biggest problems with gossip seems to be understanding what even it is, though. Uh, yeah, we understand that it's a sin, but how are we going to draw lines there? Well, I'll tell you, and I'll submit to you this. I, I'm not going to get up here and tell you all that I know the exact boundaries and the exact lines of, of where we can say that gossip has begun and where it has ended. But I can say that if we use biblical principles to govern our speech then we'll, we'll understand when we're engaging in gossip. And it'll, it'll seem almost as common sense. And we'll be able to snuff that out. I do believe the Bible can help us to draw out those lines. So let's look to the Word and let's ask first before we go on any further in this discussion. Well, well what is gossip anyway? The dictionary definition of gossip is, is this. Casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. And I think this is essentially in line with the way that the Bible does define gossip. Earlier in that Timothy passage, we read about gossips as saying things that they should not. Gossip, therefore, it's the dissemination of information that was given in confidence, private matters, or even malicious speech that is meant to tear an individual down. It's essentially an abusive conversation aimed at a person who's not present and can provide no defense. It's malicious, it's damaging speech that happens behind the back of a subject, behind closed doors, as I said. Now, it usually involves misrepresentation of facts. Again, that, that's a symptom of it being because there's nobody there to be able to vouch for any of the facts. So it, it's very easy to misinterpret, twist, or even just accidentally misrepresent facts. But it doesn't always have to. So while we may not be able to draw a clear-cut line, I believe being cognizant of the traits or elements of gossip will allow us to determine whether or not we're engaging in gossip, and it'll allow us to put an end to the gossip that's going to happen in our lives. And we're going to be able to notice that when we're out in the world and not partake in it. So first and foremost, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. 
Second Timothy chapter two, verse 16, we're going to see this about gossip and about generally about the speech of a Christian that we're not supposed to be engaged in speech that has no purpose. We're not supposed to be involved in speech that is useless. We're told in second Timothy chapter two, verse 16, again, Paul to Timothy to avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Young people, myself included, this is something that's really common. If you hang out with a lot of young people, you'll know. Sometimes we get involved in this irreverent babble type stuff. And sometimes that can escalate. And now we're talking about other people. And it's malicious and it's maligning. And it just kind of it's just casual and it's careless. Gossip fits into this category of uselessness because it serves no other purpose. Well, well, no other purpose other than to, to give the gossip some feeling of maybe maybe it distracts them from, from their own problems. Maybe it makes them feel better than the person they're gossiping about. Maybe they feel lifted up. Maybe they feel self-righteous toward this other person. Maybe it gives them some sense of vindication. But at the end of the day, gossip solves nothing. It achieves nothing. It is totally useless. It's essentially shadow boxing, brethren. Gossip is essentially shadow boxing. Y'all see me doing it all, doing it all the time. And you're thinking, Cain, that, you're not doing anything. You're not fighting anybody, man. Wake up, wake up. Well, it's the same thing. Shadow, when you're gossiping, you're trying to tangle with this problem that you have with this person when they're not even there. They can offer no defense. And, and therefore, it's ridiculous. You're, you're not hitting anything. You're not, you're not reaching any conclusion. And it's just a waste of time. If there really is a problem, then what gossip is doing is gossip is, is taking those emotions, those godly emotions that are given to us that drive us to seek reconciliation with our brethren, with our friends, and with our loved ones, and with our family, and it's putting those into an ungodly source and an ungodly solution of just, well, I'm just going to handle this outside of that person, and I'm just going to malign them, and nothing is solved. And it, it, it doesn't, not only is it just useless talk, actually, Ephesians 4 verse 29, it's, it's damaging. It's damaging. Ephesians 4 verse 29, we're told to let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion. So gossip isn't just useless. We're not just wasting our time and spinning our wheels when we gossip. That's true. Absolutely true. We're just wait. There's no problem solution going on. But in avoiding solving the problem and spending those negative emotions that we have, which are meant, again, to drive us to reconciliation, what we find is we find that we're tearing down. We're not building anything up. Gossip, even if it is true, does nothing for building up, does nothing for edification, restoration. When you start discussing someone, one must ask themselves, why are we doing this? What is my motivation for doing this? Is this for building up? Is this a problem-solving discussion? Well, how am I going to go to this person? What can I do to help them out? Or is this meant to tear them down? Is this malicious? Is this violent speech? If the person were sitting across from you, do you think there's a potential that they might be in tears? from the things that you're saying. If that's the case, then guess what? You're gossiping. And, uh, gossip always leaves both parties, not just the subject damage. It leaves both parties, the gossip and the person that's hearing the gossip. It leaves both walking away with, with damage, with a damaged view of the subject every time. So if you're sitting here and you leave a conversation that you've had with an individual and you go away from that and you're thinking, man, that person's trash. You need to earnestly start considering, have we gossiped about this person? Have we just spent this whole time tearing this person down? Or were we talking about how we're going to help them? So that's what we got. We got gossip being useless, gossip being damaging. But also, I'm going to tell you this, the source of gossip is inherently corrupt as well. Gossip is born from Ill, Ill intent. Proverbs 26, verse 22. There's going to be a lot of Proverbs going on. So if you guys want to kind of leave your thumb in there or do whatever. Proverbs 26, verse 22. Gossip, it comes from an appetite. 
it's born from an appetite, and it's a sinful appetite. Gossip, essentially, Proverbs 26, verse 22, it tastes good. The words of a whisperer, could also be translated to gossip, are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. It's fun. Gossip tastes good. It, it feels good. It, hearing it feels good. It, you, to get, be engaged in it, it's a pleasurable thing. It, it, it gives us, again, that sense of self-righteousness makes us feel better. But it's inevitably coming from a place of cowardice. And I can demonstrate that from the Bible. Again, that Psalm 64 passage that we looked at at the beginning of the lesson, uh, we, we, we can go back over there and, and I want to highlight a different part of that passage. How the gossip aims their arrows in ambush with no fear. Well, why, why aren't they afraid? Well, okay, take, think about it in terms of actual physical battle. If I'm, a, if I'm a warrior with a sword, whenever I go out into the battlefield, I've got a sense of fear. Because these other guys, I'm clanging and banging these swords with them. And at any moment, my life could be over like that. The second I step on the battlefield. But an archer, they don't have nearly as much fear. Because they're on a purchase. Uh, an arrow is a ranged weapon. Fired from a secret perch. The subject, the target of an arrow, they can't offer a defense for themselves for that first arrow that hits. They don't even know that it's coming. And in the same way, a gossip strikes from a secret purchase. And they feel empowered by their ability to strike from that purchase. But in reality, that place is going to come from a place of cowardice. Let's look at that Psalm 64 passage together. In Psalm 64, and then there in verse 7, God shoots his arrow. Oh, hold on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. All right, yeah, here we go. Three, who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush, at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. So again, they're, they're behind the scenes and they have that purchase and that ambush and they've used that to tear someone to pieces. When they begin to gossip or when we hear gossip, we should have our stomachs turned by that because we realize that this is coming from a place of cowardice. This person that I'm sitting across from, they're acting out of a place of fear. They don't want to address this with this person. They're not coming from a strong position. This is a sin. The maliciousness of gossip <clears throat> cannot be left unaddressed, as I said before. Why? Because it has absolutely real consequences. It's not a harmless sin, like some may think of it as they're participating in it. There's plenty of consequences, some that can be disastrous, that I'd like to discuss now, as after we've defined gossip, I want to talk about the consequences that can come from it, and how we need to be careful where we aim our arrows and, wh- and what we're doing with our words. So, again, gossip can be identified based on... Uh, on all those traits we read before, but it can also be identified and traced by the potential consequences as well. So first and foremost, if an arrow hits something, what happens? It pierces that thing. It does damage. So we can assume first and foremost that an arrow damages, the that, that gossip rather damages the subject, that an arrow damages the person that it's aimed at. Certainly, certainly. And Proverbs chapter 11, verse 13 will bear that out. I think a lot of people think, oh yeah, I have to gossip about this person. As sordid as that sounds, well, that's the justification because I have all this stuff on my chest that I want to say to them, but I just have to vent because I'm, if I say this to their face, man, it'll hurt their feelings. And that's, that's their justification is I'm trying to avoid hurting this person's feelings. But Proverbs 11, verse 13, whoever goes about slandering, could be translated as gossip, reveals secrets. But he who is trustworthy in spirit keeps the thing covered. So here's the thing. When you gossip... It's not, a, it's not a secretive thing. 
It, it reveals things. It's a revelatory thing. It starts peeling the curtain back on certain things. It begins, it begins exposing things. It's a, it, it's a, an ex, a very, by its very nature. So it's not going to be something that's, that's going to stay between you and the person. You'd be a hypocrite to ask them to say, hey, this is this person's private business or this is just between me and them, but I'm going to tell you, so don't spread it to anybody. Well, you're doing that very thing. You're spreading it to that person when it's none of their business. So what's stopping them from spreading that to other people who it's none of their business? So then you're going to damage the subject based on that, and you're not protecting their feelings. Because guess what happens? When, when, you, when you dissolve those boundaries, when you make it all be fair game, where whether it's, oh, I know where so-and-so works, pretty public thing, or I remember that time me and so-and-so hid that body together that one time, and you start spreading that around, when you dissolve all those boundaries, well, guess what? Well, well, then inevitably, there's going to be a win that's involved there, and that's going to be when it gets back to that person. James 4 verse 11 says that we're not to speak evil of one another. And I think the principle is true of brethren, but I think that principle is even applicable to our friends that are out in the world, that, that we're, not to, we're not to go around maligning them in, in that sense. We're not to go around trying to tear them down. We're, we should never use our speech to start a fire, to burn someone at the stake, to, to, to be malicious and to be evil toward that person. Because what happens is that spreads and that grows. And yes, it does burn the individual to have their secrets spread out to bear before everybody, have information and private business between you, problems you might be having made public. That hurts that individual and it tears them down. And it makes them feel, feel about this big. But it also spreads and it damages so many relationships. Proverbs 26 now. Proverbs 26. We're, we're heavy in the wisdom literature. Proverbs 26, verse 20. Gossip is kindling. Gossip is the fuel to the fire in the midst of a conflict. It's much harder to deal with a problem between individuals when others become involved, particularly close friends. Proverbs 26, verse 20. For lack of wood, the fire goes out. Where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. As charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man rekindling strife. So here we read that the gossip, you know what your role is if you're a gossip? You're fuel to a fire. You're fuel to a fire that's going to spread and it's going to keep on licking everything it meets and devouring everything it meets and it's going to burn everything to a crisp. And you know what you're going to see when you look back? You're going to see a wake of ashes in your trail. That's what you're going to see. So when a whisperer spreads an issue between individuals, a private issue, that's told in confidence, that's meant, that's meant to be their personal business, and they go and they involve everyone else in that, what they're doing is they're spreading the, they're spreading the kindling, and they're tossing the gasoline over it, and they're getting ready to start a fire, and it rips relationships to shreds. It harms influence, and it harms respect between individuals, and it can cause division. It is divisive speech. It spreads violently, much like a fire, as I said, and once it does, it's extremely difficult to get it under control. Gossip is divisive. Let me put it to you this way, brethren. In your home, some of you may have this, a, a fireplace. Fire belongs in there. That's what it is. It's a fireplace. That's where, that's where it, it is meant to stay. But if the fire expands from the fireplace, now you have a problem. Why? Because while it's in the fireplace, it's super easy to put out. You can go over there and just, no problem. But if it spreads from the fireplace and now it's in the sofa and it's on the walls, your entire house could be burned down. In the same way, matters between individuals and even in tight-knit groups should stay in those groups because the more people are involved, the more variables are for destruction. Gossip often, it, it, it causes this separation because it paints a hero versus villain narrative. And the truth is, in real life, it's almost never that cut and dry. 
In fact, gossip, gossip doesn't make the talebearer, it doesn't make the gossiper sound like a hero. Not to someone with a trained ear. Not to someone who's really thinking about what's going on. Especially not to someone who's had their ears trained by God. What happens when, when a gossip opens their mouth to gossip is that they damage their own selves. Uh, look with me in Proverbs 17, verse 27 through 28 now. Yeah, gossip, gossip damages the gossip. Now, it's always done as a means for the gossip to have some sort of superior high ground. But Proverbs 17, 27 through 28 says that if you can't retain your words, then you're not a man of understanding. You're not some lofty individual better than somebody else. Well, you, well, you expose yourself as a fool. 27, Proverbs 17, 27. Whoever restrains his word has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he's deemed intelligent. The Bible says here, hey, listen. If you're having maybe some, some I'm just going to be blunt, some dumb thoughts, not very well thought out, maybe malicious thoughts, maybe aggressive, maybe even evil thoughts, that, that's foolish. But what's more foolish is when you go about expressing those kind of thoughts. You ought to rather just keep your mouth shut and hopefully you just deal with that and come to terms with that and you forgive that person anyways uh, or, or handle that in between individuals. But you don't go opening your mouth and doing that because that doesn't make you look better than them. Again, not to someone with, with a godly eye, not to someone with a spiritual mindset. You make yourself look way, way worse. A gossip not only shows themselves to be foolish by the callousness of their words before men, Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, they stand condemned before God for their actions. Matthew 12, verse 36, these are the words of Christ on the matter. On the day of judgment, everyone will give account for every careless word they speak. Let me ask you this, gossip. Do you, are you prepared to withstand the Lord when he unveils the scroll that has the list of words that you've said about your brethren, about your family, about your friends, all these malicious words? And he's, he's kind of like, what's the deal with this? And give an answer for this. Why do you do this? Are you prepared for that? Do you want to see that? I don't. Again, Psalm 64 said in verse 7 that gossip, it's, it's not safe to whisper in secret. God has an eye greater than a hawk and an, and an ear that hears every murmur. And it, verse 7 says that he aims his arrow at the gossip. So those that are kind of, you know, you're thinking you're going to snipe somebody, you'll not get away with that. The second you let your arrow loose from the quiver, the Lord's there with his. And he, he will not let you go unscathed for your actions. He takes this very seriously. God shoots his arrow at them. They're wounded suddenly. They're brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. And who, he, who sees them will wag their heads. That means you'll be put to shame. Then all mankind fears. They, they tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. To the gossip, God says, I'm going to lay you bare. I'm going to humble you. And I'm going to show you that you just need to keep your mouth shut. And so the gossip not only damages the subject... Not only tears relationships to shreds carelessly with their words, just slinging all kinds of embers everywhere, starting a fire, but ultimately they damage their own soul, standing condemned before God and for their peers. The Lord says again in Proverbs, "Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will. Whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy." So then, brethren, do you want to be destroyed? I don't. What must we do then to overcome such a sneaky, sly sin as gossip? How can we handle this camouflage giant? We've, we all admit in the beginning of this lesson, I saw everybody's faces kind of affirming nods when I said, do you guys think this is a problem in the church? I do. I think this is a problem in the church. Well, what we need to do is we need to look individually and we need to identify the attitude of heart behind gossip and we need to change our hearts 
and repent. That's what repentance is. We have to change the way that we look at and the way that we react to gossip. So what are we to do? What must we do then, brethren, to escape gossip, to slay this camo giant? What must we do? I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to shut our mouths and we need to shut our ears to gossip. When it comes to this sin, we're going to have to do some self-examination first. Jesus said we can't go around pulling specks out of people's eyes when we've got logs in our own eyes, Matthew 7. So let's look at our own speech before we open our mouths and ask honestly. First and foremost, whenever we're about to engage in some gossip, we're about to discuss somebody or discuss their business, let's ask this. Is what I'm about to say even true? Is this confirmed? Is this, is, is this, can this be confirmed? Exodus chapter 23 verse 1. Exodus 23, verse 1. In the Old Testament times, God gave this command. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. Now, malicious witness sounds like a really cool metal song. But God's standard on that hasn't changed. We can't stand as a malicious witness. Paul tells us multiple times to speak the truth in the New Testament. As well, he utters the same thing. The command's carried over. We can't be a malicious witness. Just because you hear something exciting, just because it tickles your ears, just because it sounds cool, doesn't mean that you need to express that. Especially not right away. What you need to do is, you need to ask yourself, is this even true? Sensational things get spread all the time. You see this era of fake news on Facebook? People are reporting all kinds of stuff all the time. Man, aliens have landed on earth. I saw one. You see that? You look into it, you click the thing, and it's just like a lotion ad or something. You can't just go around sharing everything that you see and just just expositing this information left and right. No. You need to check. You need to confirm. You need to go on Snopes. Okay, if any of y'all know what that is. You need to cross-reference your stuff to see if it's true or see if it's not. So so that, that specifically flows into this next point, which is that before you even... Open your mouth about someone. Before you even talk about an issue maybe going on between you or them, or them and somebody else, you need to talk to that person. Matthew 18, verse 15, Jesus told us, Matthew 18, 15, that if you have a problem with a brother or sister, what do you do? Matthew 18, 15, you go to them in private. Well, what then? If you, if you, if they listen, and if they hear you, then you won them. It's over. You don't need to tell anybody else about it. It doesn't need to be going around. Just let it go. If it's not, then there's more steps that can be taken. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to submit this to you, brethren. Nine times out of ten, that's enough. The issue should be buried at that point, but Christ gave a system for that purpose. Further, before one goes gossiping about someone else's business, one has to ask, have I gotten all sides of the story? Have I, have I looked into this? It's really hard to say that, that you've done your due diligence, if you've not even talked to the person that you're discussing. Obviously, you learn about in school, in history class, that there are, there are primary sources and there are secondary sources. The secondary sources are going to be stuff that's written about the stuff that the writer wrote. And so that's going to be watered down like extremely. But the primary sources, that's going to be direct from witnesses. Go, why would you not go to the primary source? If there's a subject that you're discussing, go to that person and, and talk to them and try to discern what, what all is true and what is not because oftentimes there's a lot of different sides of the story going around and the truth does lie somewhere in the middle. Finally, we got to ask, even if, we've, even if we've done these first two things, even if we've, we've asked, yeah, okay, what I'm about to say, it is true. I am saying the truth right now. And even if we have talked to the subject 
and we've obta- we believe we've obtained all the information and we've we've gotten a grip on the situation. Maybe even we've reconciled with this person, but we're still going to open our mouths and we're still going to talk about this thing that happened. Well, then what do we got to do? Before we even do that, this is going to be the most important thing that you do that determines whether or not you're going to be engaged in gossip is essentially you got to examine your attitude. You got to check your heart, brother or sister. Look in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. Most of us know this by heart. You got to ask yourself Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, am I doing unto others as I would have done unto me? Nobody, but nobody wants for rumors to be spread about them. No one wants for their private information to be spread. That's why it's private. No one wants their trust to be betrayed. No one wants their relationships to be damaged. And no one wants for their deepest, darkest, innermost struggles to be borne out for everyone to see. As Christians, gossip does not match the narrative that we've been given and the commands that we've been given about who Jesus was. That He acted as a servant. That everything that He did was for the good of everyone around Him and it was for building up and that He poured Himself out. Well, that's not what gossip is. Gossip's a fire. Gossip's a fire that burns people. It it burns everyone involved. As such, we needn't only keep ourselves from gossip, but we should not enable others to gossip. We shouldn't even withstand gossip. Ephesians 5.11 says that we're to take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. So maybe when you're at work and you're standing there with all your coworkers, or, or, or you're in a back room and, and you guys are you know talking by the water cooler, whatever it is, and you're 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 you know so and so goes, can you believe Susie? And you're thinking, man, I'm a Christian, I'm not supposed to say anything bad about Susie, but you know they kind of make their little comments about Susie and her new haircut and how she's so annoying and how she's so stuck up and X Y and Z, and you just kind of sit there and you laugh along and you yeah 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 and you just do that bobblehead thing. You think you think you're not being involved in that? You think. You're, you're sitting there on the fence. You're honestly hanging off to their side of the fence in that equation, honestly. But there's no fence. The devil owns the fence. You need to make a stand. And you need to either just say, you know what, I'm not going to participate in this. Or you need to be, the, be bold enough, even better than that, you need to be bold enough to say, hey, why don't we just go talk to Susie? If everybody here has got so much of a big problem with her, why don't we just address it with her? That's the bold thing to do. That will solve the problem. And you'll be a peacemaker. And you'll be, you'll be an example of, of Christ. So when someone begins to gossip, we need to make clear that we don't want to participate in that and we need to be better than that. Why? I'll tell you why. If I could summarize this lesson in like one sentence, it'd be this. Because we're not talebearers, we're not whisperers, we're not murmurers, we're not slanderers, and we're not gossips. What are we? We are Christians. Our charge is not to drag people through the mud. Our charge is not to destroy. Our charge is not to tear down. Our charge is not to rip up and divide and to create factions and and, and destroy the things that are good. Our charge is to bring unity and to bring peace and to show people love because we're Christians. And that's what Christ did. You know, they gossiped about Christ. They said he's a false prophet. They said he's a wine-bibber. They said he he was from the devil. They, They were all wrong. They were all wrong about Jesus. And if they just spent the time to get to know him, they would know that. So let me ask you this. Do you really know Jesus? Or have you been listening to what everybody's been saying about Jesus? Let me tell you this. Get to know Jesus. You'll find out that that he was a loving Savior. That he came. He didn't breathe a word against those people that were tearing him down. He gave everything. He, He hung up on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Can that not be our attitudes? Can we not follow Christ in that way? Let me ask you this. Are you following Christ? Do you love Him? Do you believe in Him? If that's the case, if you, be, if you really say you believe in Christ, 
Are you willing to confess that He is the Christ? Are you willing to turn from your sin? Are you willing to be baptized into His death, burial, and resurrection to become a Christian as He said and as He, as he told people to do? He who, is, baptized, he who is, is believed and is baptized will be saved, but he who believes not will be damned. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus Christ's message? Do you believe who He was? Maybe you're a child of God, but gossip has wormed its way into your vocabulary and into your vernacular. Let me ask you, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to be that person that on Judgment Day, the Lord opens up a scroll and it's not blank, it's not washed clean because you haven't repented of that gossip you've been doing and there's just a long list of all the maligning words that you've ever said and they're turned back onto you and God aims that arrow at you. Do you want to be that person? No, you don't. You don't want to be that person. What you do is you've got a chance to re- repent publicly now tonight and, and if, you, if you need to obey the gospel, whatever your need is, I'm going to be standing right over here to assist you. We've got plenty of people here who will help you, who will encourage you, who will remind you as much as we can of Jesus. If you'll just come forward now, just right, right down the aisle, stand right over here and help you as we stand and as we sing.